1: Coach Radio. That's Audibletrial dot com slash coach radio. And now here's today's show. Good afternoon, listeners. This is Divya Parek with Beyond Confidence for Success Radio Show. I am so delighted to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome. And also I wanna let you know that today we have a millennial, Megan Keller a very promising and a bright young woman whose story really impressed me so much that I had to reach out to her and say, Megan, I'd love to have you on my show so that you can share your story with our listeners. Megan Keller is the marketing coordinator for a large dental group in Grand Rapids, Michigan. While working in her position, she's obtaining her Master's of Management with concentrations in Sustainability and Marketing at Aquinas College. Her career goals are to help and guide companies to best incorporate sustainable resources within their company goals. She is passionate about helping people and businesses create a better world through utilization of quality, sustainable resources, and capital. She is a golfer, and enjoys the beach, water sports, and football. So I have to say that that's an impressive background that Megan comes on board with us today. A little bit about myself. I'm your host. I'm an internationally known business relationship and leadership coach, mentor, speaker. I have the DP coaching group Where we help entrepreneurs, leaders, achievers coaching you to uncover your hidden motivators that allow you to achieve your personal, professional and financial goals with laser focus and unstoppable confidence. I have had the fortune to be a co author of a number one Amazon international bestseller, The Voyage to Your Vision and I've authored books on topics like emotional intelligence, critical thinking, leadership, and influence. And I have the pleasure to serve and support you, my listeners. You are what keeps me going. So thank you again for listening in. And without further ado, I'm going to invite Megan to share a little bit more about herself than what I've shared. <laughs> Hi, Divya. How are you? Good. How are you? Welcome, Megan. Good.
2: Yes, thank you for having me on today. This is very exciting.
1: So do share about yourself. How is it that you moved through your life journey, and what was it that drew you to sustainability focus?
2: Yeah, you know... Um, When I decided to um, go to college, I originally was looking more uh, in the science fields, and um, we always joke that I always was um, saying, oh, I want to run this kind of business. So it it sort of felt natural to instead go into business. Um, My undergrad degree uh, is from Grand Valley State, uh, which is in Grand Rapids, and uh, it is in marketing and management. So then, you know, when I was graduating from college and kind of deciding what my next steps would be, um, I, I just felt naturally that I really did want to get a master's, um, and at the time, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to get it in, so so I started to um, look, and you know, with the help of, help of my parents, we looked at a bunch of different programs and just tried to see what was a good fit for me. Well, I, I really enjoyed Aquinas College when I uh, toured there. And they had this uh, program in sustainability. And I was, you know, I knew what sustainability was, but I I didn't know um, really how beneficial it could be. So I started researching it, you know, talking with um, people in the field and really found that sustainability um, is something way more than just what What some think of as just taking care of the environment, you know it's so much more than that um and it, i I think it's something that's really gonna start to grow, especially in the United States, and it's g- gonna be something that companies start to look at and say well i we need to be sustainable. how can we do this so i I really felt that it was um very much a natural fit uh and then i'm you know I will also have a concentration in marketing which you know, naturally fit with my um, my undergraduate degree.
0: hmm
1: No, it just blows me away that a young millennial like you was able to think through like this and looking into the future because that is the key. We are such a instant <clears throat> gratification society that we do not look into what's going to be next in 10 years, 50 years, 20 years, 100 years. And that we are only the caretakers.
2: That is so true. You know, um, I I remember my first uh, class in sustainability, and, you know, we all had to kind of come up with our own definitions for it. Um, But basically what what we ended up coming to a consensus uh, with was that sustainability is really about meeting the needs uh, of the present but without, you know, compromising um, things for future generations. So sustainability is all about, you know, looking into the future and saying what can we do to better, um, you know, our environment, to better, you know, our uh, economy, and to better things socially um, that will then benefit the future generations to come. Mm,
1: Very profound. So when we talk about socially, in your opinion, how would you define the social capital? You know,
2: social capital to me, um, and, and through what I've learned so far, uh, d- digging deep in, into this topic, is is really about networks and relationships. So people who have great networks, who are able to make Great relationships with others um both personally and in business it's It's using those relationships in that network uh, to better society as a whole and to help them function more effectively uh so it it's really about you know having having these networks and sharing them and helping create a better world for everyone.
1: Mhm, I love it helping create a better world for everyone. And social capital, it almost seems like it's something that we have forgotten as the technology has advanced. And if we think back, if we just uh, rewind the clock back, then there were no technologies and people still had big forums. And so what used to happen is the neighbors used to come together. They would help each other out. Do the bartering, and that's how the community sprung up, and as the community sprung up and that brought on advancement, so it's almost to oh. going back mm-hmm. to the fundamentals. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, you know I would agree, and I think um that especially as millennials, seeing as we've kind of you know grown up in the technology era, if you will, we've you know seen a lot of great development um in our in our time thus far. I, I think the important thing is is to remember that, you know, you you can connect. You can create relationships in so many new ways now. You know, it's not just your neighbors or the people you work with. Those are great relationships, and it's, it's very important to nurture those. Um, but, you know, we have all these amazing ways to connect now where you can be talking with someone, you know, in a different state or in a different country than you, which is so amazing. Uh, but I think it's, really important especially as millennials who have all this technology know-how to understand that it's more than just the initial connection that gives you this relationship um i i say that because you know you, you can be on linkedin and you can connect to somebody for example and, and that's great but my question is what are you doing what is your second and what is your third step um to build that relationship and to actually make that relationship
1: into something that you can use
2: uh, as social capital.
1: hmm Great point. And that is so true that with the advent of technology, there are several great things that have happened. For example, as you mentioned, that people can connect not only across the states, they can connect across different countries, It's practically dissolving the borders and becoming one global planet. And you also mentioned about taking the second and the third step, that do not connect just for the sake of connecting. It is about building relationships. And I really like the definition that you had come up with. It's not only about yourself. It's also about supporting others because the relationships that are build on win-win situations are stronger. Yeah. Definitely. So what and, are your thoughts on you, that?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because when you meet somebody face to face, it's just it's it's different than using, you know, technology. Uh, you know, it, some would say maybe it's more memorable because you're actually seeing a person or uh, you know, shaking their hand, having a, having a face-to-face conversation with them when you meet them. So that's why I just think it's so important that when you use technology, yes, you should be using it because it's something that's to our advantage. Um, like, like you said, and like I said, it's, it's great to be able to connect and kind of remove the borders, if you will. Um, but, you know, the, the second and third steps still need to happen, whether that, you know, means maybe you are able to meet face-to-face or if you can't, maybe you you know call somebody on the phone. You um, you know do do more than just send them that little you know first message uh, on LinkedIn. You want to keep nurturing the relationship, and you want to find out um, both what you can do for them and what they can do for you to create social capital. You know, because mm-hmm. like I said, it it is more than just the relationships you have. It's about you, like how are you using them to make this world better? What are you doing to, you know, it could be helping others in need. Um, It could be helping a business. You know, everything like that. Relationships are so, so important.
1: So from what I'm hearing, Megan, is we're talking almost about a triangle. So at one end, it's you. One end is Mm -hmm. the other person. And the third end is what your relationship is and then in the conjunction of all three, what can you do to help the world or as you mentioned as businesses or charities. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, that
2: that is correct. It's you know, social capital um and, and sustainability um in general are very much about um sharing things. You know, it's great if you have these awesome relationships. But if you're not able to share them with others, is it really that great of a relationship? You know, I, I, it's important to be able to leverage that kind of thing. I mean, that's how, you know, most things are done, especially in today's day and age when networking and relationships are so important, um, you know, to getting a job, to, you know getting help with something you know when when you're in a business and you need uh you need something who do you think to go to first hopefully it's the person people you have good relationships with you know
0: mm-hmm. so um
2: i d I just think it is really important to nourish that and to um not just connect and then forget about the person you're talking to you know
0: mhm,
1: definitely. I'm going to take you back in your journey when you were deciding to go for master's. And I know in our Mm -hmm. conversations you have mentioned Mr. Bill Foley. And if you can expand on that, that, you know, what's your experience been from learning the master and which direction Bill is going and which direction, like how your relationship is moving towards helping the sustainability in our society.
2: Yeah. Um, so when I when I started at Aquinas, the the first sustainable sustainability um, and sustainable business class I had was with Professor Bill Foley, and he, uh, boy, he is just such a a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the subject. I felt so fortunate to have him as a professor, especially for my first class, because you know I was kind of going into this blind. I didn't know much about um sustainability or what it really meant. So I uh, you know he was a great professor to have and he he is very much a guy who will he he wants to see better happen in our communities, you know, in our world um and whether that's through, you know, doing environmental things, social things or, you know, helping the economy. Um so so he's he's with a great um uh, Professor to have to learn from, and I've actually had him for a couple other classes as well since then. And you know, he um, he basically taught us. Uh, he he taught me everything I know about social capital and about how important it is. And he really just embodies the um, uh, the idea of social capital because you know another thing is that. When you're learning about sustainability, when you're learning about social capital or any uh, topic within sustainability, it's important to practice what you preach, you know. Um, and, and he definitely does that and very much so taught um, his students to do the same, you know. He he taught us about nourishing those relationships and about using them to, you know, better um, our community and world.
1: Mm. So were there any highlights? of what he taught that has stuck in your memory. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what Professor Bill said. Yes, that's what Professor Bill pointed out. That's what I'm implementing. Yes. I mean,
2: there are so many uh, different different highlights. I would say one of the major highlights that I that I took away and I learned from him in all the classes I've had with him um, would be the idea of the triple bottom line. You know, um, in business, we obviously talk about the bottom line all the time. It's huge. You know, that's how businesses work. There, there's a bottom line mm-hmm. that, you know, at the end of the day, that's one of the most important things. <laughs> um, but um, with with sustainable business um, and sustainability, the triple bottom line, uh, I, I've sort of mentioned, is very much – the idea that you want to help your environment, you want to help people socially, and you want to help people um, in terms of economics. And the fact that all of those things actually do relate to each other. So, kind of going back to talking about a triangle, um, it, you know, it very much is a triangle of how um, what you do uh, socially will affect uh, the economy and the environment, you know. Um, and And vice versa, and very similar for for all of those topics that um you know in the economy you do have to consider what's going on socially and what's going on environmentally so so that was one thing he definitely really you know um hammered in to us just to tell us about that and you know he also really he he emphasized the importance that uh to be sustainable and to believe in sustainability is, like a, is a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, some people think, oh, I recycled. I'm sustainable, right? But, but it's, it's not just that. It's, it's so much more. It's about taking care of everything. And, uh, you know, in the environment, it's about um, being socially aware and socially conscious. And, you know, it's about economically really understanding our system and doing what's best for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we keep on coming back to the social capital. Can yes. you share, what's the history behind the development of social capital? Yeah, you know, social
2: capital actually, uh, from what I have learned, is is it's a relatively new term, but it's a very age-old topic. Um, mm. They may not have always called it social capital but um the idea of what social capital is has been practiced you know um since the beginning of time um you know you think back and and we even talked about these things in class you think back to like the barter system or to trading in posts you know before there was any sort of technology or anything like that it was all about social capital it was about this person may have a relationship with somebody else or this person has something i need and how can we build our relationship so that i can get what i need and they can get what they need you know so it um it like i said although they didn't maybe call it social capital back then um it it really has been around for quite some time and you know maybe in the last i'd say 20-ish years, they've really started um, using social capital, as, you know, the word and, and really developing it more so that people can understand what it is and how important it is to our society.
1: And that's great. Uh, as you mentioned, that it has been around. It is just that we have given it a new terminology that is yes. social capital and then all of a sudden it get, captures people's attention.
2: Oh, definitely. And I think um, just a little on that is that, you know, um, some people would say that being sustainable is kind of like a fad right now or it's a movement because, you know, people want to treat our environment well and everything, which is great. Um, But I think that, you know, being able to attach, if you will, social capital and the idea of it to the sustainability movement has really helped it grow so much more. Um, like the idea of it, just because of the fact that, yeah, sustainability is important and people are starting to realize that, you know, as as we get more technology, as we get more infrastructure, as we do things like that, um, sustainability is becoming more of a factor in everything we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely okay. makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So let's so we we have talked about the history we have looked at the current thinking as to how social capital has joined forces with sustainability yes so now how can we use technology we have talked about different social media however hmm. how can we build solid social capital using technology is there a process that you use or are there just tips that you can share with my audience yeah
2: well you know first i would say i i wouldn't limit it to a specific process because you know i'm a firm believer uh that obviously everybody everybody's business everybody's personal life everybody's relationships their networks are all different you know no no two are the same it's there's no real cookie cutter way of you know building relationships, um, but I, I would I would say that you know there are, there are some really good tips, especially for millennials, um, to kind of take and and run with, if you will. You know, we look at technology and it, it is growing. It's it's not getting smaller, and there's constantly more ways for us to be able to connect and to build these relationships. So you know I think it's really important, first of all, um, to to be memorable. That, that would be a tip I would give. If you want to grow a relationship and if you want, you know, to nourish that relationship and be able to, um, you know, help that person and that person help you, I would say that, you know, it's huge to be memorable especially when you're using technology you may not have the opportunity to um, have that face-to-face conversation or shake their hand you know those kind of things which which we've always been taught is what makes you memorable you know your elevator speech or your your strong handshake well with technology we don't necessarily get that so we need to find a way to be memorable through our technology Um, I would say, you know, when you're when you're sending those emails, when you're, you know, connecting on LinkedIn, it's important to be very personable. It's important to don't use the generic, you know, information um, or just the <laughs> generic message, things like that, because you know, there that's going to be discarded with everything else. So, so be memorable in your first connection, um, and then constantly be memorable as you're talking to them. You know. Um, just because you connect through technology, you know, through LinkedIn, Facebook, um, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're connecting through, it doesn't mean you can't give them a call, you know, Um, talk to people, be excited about what you're, you're doing, you know, passion is huge in sustainability and with social capital, you know, you got to believe in what you're doing to be able to, um, you know, really tell others about it and, you know, use your relationships. If you're not excited about what you're doing, then, you know, the the people you're talking to won't get excited
1: either. Mm-hmm. It's about believing in yourself. So again, we go back to the human aspect is what is it that your vision is? What is it that you firmly believe in? What do you stand for? And when you have your intentions and vision clear, and as you are reaching out to other people, keep it in mind that the people are different. And that's a great point that you brought up, Megan, is mm-hmm. that there is no cookie cutter approach. And that's so important to keep in mind because just like as we're talking about nature, they're like different trees living in harmony together. Similarly, people are different, some are artistic some are scientific and everybody has a different learning style so keeping that in mind yeah the approach can be different and again it goes back to knowing the person and seeing that if somebody look at uh, we can probably take a look at the linkedin see how they're doing their posts and you can find out that, that some exactly. people put a lot of pictures in there and before you're reaching out yeah. to them would you agree on that that do some yeah, homework no. before you just yeah. reach out?
2: Definitely. that That's so important. You know, um, I, what, yeah, whether it be through LinkedIn, Facebook, maybe the person you're reaching out to has a website or their business has a website. You know, um, it's just like I would say, you know, if you're going in for a job interview, you prepare. You know, you learn about that company. You, you know, learn about the position you're interviewing for, those kind of things. Well, why wouldn't you do that when you're connecting with somebody? You know? Well, you know, uh, if you can find a common ground to talk about, even if it has nothing to do with you know, what you're actually connecting for. You know, it's funny. I, I love to play golf. Sometimes the most memorable conversations I have with people, yes, we talk about work or business, sustainability, but then we connect because we both enjoy golf, you know? So it's like you have to do your research and find those, little interesting tidbits that um, the other person may like or enjoy. And if you can show that you have a similar interest or or that you have just done your homework on them, that, that's impressive to, to whoever you're talking to, you know?
1: It goes back again to putting the importance in the relationship. If a person feels that you have taken the time to take a look at their interests and – You could So, for example, you mentioned you love water sports, you like football, and now the March Madness. So I'm just going to change it from football to basketball. So let's uh, say somebody's interested in basketball and you're reaching out to someone in March. You can just bring up a conversation about March Madness, and that's such a great conversation starter and breaks the ice. Yes.
2: Yeah, you know, and an interesting thing about that, too, it's great to do things like that. And then once you start to build the relationship with that person, it gets even better because you learn more about them personally. You know, most people you talk to, yeah, you have your business conversations. You're talking about whatever needs to get done. But, you know, when I write an email, if if I know somebody personally and I'm writing them an email, you know, and it has to do with something business-related, obviously I start out, you know, talking about business and whatever, but I always make sure to say something like, you know hope hope you had a great time um you know when you were at, in Florida last week or whatever whatever is something you've talked about with them before and and it shows that you care and that you're paying attention and that you remember them and then they feel important mm-hmm. because of it
1: which is great mhm so Megan that's very true it's showing the other person where you're coming from how you're showing up you're showing up as a person who's interested in the other person, and it's just not, what can I get out of that person? It's not that. It's about a win-win situation where you are giving and receiving. So one of my favorite quotes that I've come up with is, that receiving begins with giving. You Mm -hmm. cannot just expect somebody... Out of the blue, you connect with them, and then they start helping you. And as you have mentioned, it takes sometimes years to nurture a relationship. Oh,
2: definitely, definitely. You know, and I think that's that's something very interesting because, um, you know, being in my masters uh, and and only being 22 years old, there, most people in my masters are are a bit older than I am, and so I, I always hear these comments. Um, not not directed towards me, but directed towards millennials in general. That um, our generation expects to get things because that's how <laughs> we've grown up. We we expect. Oh, well, of course we have this. Of course we should get this. We it's just what we expect. But when you're when you're developing relationships, and I don't care who you are, if you're a millennial or in a different generation, when you're developing relationships, you can't just say hey my name is Megan will you donate this (laughs) you know will you it is about nurturing it because you know um we can't expect to get anything you should not expect anything from anybody else in terms of handouts in terms of things like that you have to work at the relationship just as much as the other person has to work at the relationship with you in order to make it um, a great relationship, and to be able to have the ability to then, you know, ask for favors or see if they'll help you or you'll help them, you know. So I would also say that's a tip for millennials: is that don't expect, you know, when you get out into the into the real world, if you will, that um, the that people are just going to give you a handout because because they really won't. And that's why you see certain people really succeeding is because they know how to nurture their relationships, and how to um, really treat people well and with respect and show that they care. And those are the people that others want to do work with and to
1: deal with. Mm. So do you think it's just a generalization that X generation and baby boomers have come up with that millennials expect things to be handed to them or... Is that something that you have seen in your generation personally?
2: Well, um, you know, I have heard it as a generalization, but I've definitely seen it as well. Um, I think going back to technology, that um, being born in a technology age the way the millennials we have has kind of um, brought us into an era where we think we should just get everything and or are we entitled to certain things is what people tend to say you know um i think our generation is significantly different from um even just the wa- the one right before ours or even the baby boomers especially the baby boomers um because we haven't grown up um seeing as many hardships or maybe they haven't affected our generation as much so i think that that in that sense and and with the growth of technology and the ease of getting it and the ease of use of it that I think we just expect, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to get the latest iPhone or I'm going to do this or whatever. But when it comes to business, uh, that's not the case, you know. Um, Just like how Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and everybody built up their companies to be what it is, you know, we have to build relationships the same way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: at such a tender age of 22, you mentioned just a few minutes back that millennials should work for what they want. I'm curious, how did you arrive at that conclusion? Well,
2: you know, I I think most people, I, I would assume, goal is to be successful in life. And mm. at least from my personal experiences um, in, in the business world, in college, I mean, even when I was young, um, I was taught uh, by my parents, by you know, teachers, by other family and friends that um, you do have to work for what you get because that's how you gain respect too. You know, um, it, it's interesting because. You know, there's there's two, I think of an example of, you know, maybe somebody who owns a company and they just hand it to their kids or something like that. But wouldn't the better way to do it be to you own a company and if your son or daughter wants to take it over, make them work through the ranks and work up to owning it? Because then they'll gain, A, the respect they deserve from, you know, people who work there. But then they also gain the understanding of how hard it is to get to where they need to be, you know. Success isn't something that you just wake up and say, oh, I'm successful. You know, you have to work hard at it and you have to, um, whether it be nourish those relationships or whether it be connecting with the correct people um, or working extremely hard at your job. Th- that's the way you become Successful, and it, it's the same with your personal life too. You have to work at those relationships, and you have to make yourself better, and that's how you become successful personally as well. You know, so so nothing I don't think is handed to you, um, and even if it, even if something is handed to you, if you're lucky enough to have something handed to you, um, I still think it's just as important to work that much harder.
1: Hmm. A lot of credit goes to you because, as Henry Truman said, it's not what you know, it's what you learn. Yeah. So, yes, you gain the knowledge through parents and teachers, and that's what was taught to you. However, you took that and implemented it in your life. And I definitely acknowledge you for that, Megan. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's important... um, like you said, you can learn as much as you want. You can go to school, you can whatever, but nothing truly prepares you for the real world until you are in the real world and experiencing it, you know? There's no textbook um, that could tell you exactly what to expect. So that's why you got to keep working hard and you have to, you know, make sure that what you're doing is the best of the best.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would like to take a moment to make my apologies to President Harry Truman. I mispronounced his name. So the quote is by our president, ex-president Harry Truman. And at this point in time, I am going to open up the lines. So listeners, if you have a question, the line is open. And you are welcome to ask a question or not ask a question and also I would invite the listeners to call in at 646-716-9397 to listen to our talented young Megan.
0: Hi. Uh, I'd like to ask a question. Either one of you can answer it if if, if that's okay, or both of you. Okay. Conversation. I've really enjoyed what I've been hearing. I'm a baby boomer, and... Mm -hmm. uh, been around in business for a long time. I'm now retired. And as I grew up through the business world, which involved manufacturing and baking and other things, mm-hmm. you know, key to our success was relationships. Yeah. Now, my question is, and I'll probably end up with several questions, but <laughs> as I neared the end of my career and I observed uh, the regulatory world, of course fostered by the government bureaucracy and I'm not negative about that. It's not my question. But it was very much made clear to all of us that decisions based on relationships uh really were taking a back seat to solely decisions based on statistics and financial data. Mm -hmm. The relationship you had with a person was less important than as you mentioned, Megan, the bottom line, the soul, bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, millennials are the challenge I see for you as a millennial and millennials in general is that you're growing up in this new world where the relationship part of a decision is less important than the other. Do you see other millennials understanding what I just said, because I think you do, and how are they going to cope with that in terms as they move forward and will they be accepting, is there a place for sustainability and, you know, the, the triple component of that in this new world as we move it. I'll tell you, baby boomers are struggling with that mm-hmm. because we grew up under this other approach to uh dealing with our world and maneuvering our world. So yeah. what, do you, what do you see that – I think you're, it's going to be a tough road to hold for the millennials to adapt to this.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, um, that that's a great question, and you, you have um, some great points there. Um, I, I would say that it's not really one or the other because <clears> – <throat> excuse me – I, You know, I've been preaching about relationships and how great they are and how important they are, and I I fully 100% believe in that. But, yes, as you said, there's also a bottom line. You know, um, you can have a great relationship with somebody, but sometimes the bottom line is that you need something done and you need it done in a, a timely fashion or, or what have you. And, you know, that, that does dictate a lot of decisions. But I would challenge people to look and see if you can mix the two. And I, I believe I believe you can because I believe if you have a strong enough relationship uh, with someone or with a company or whatever the relationship is, I, I believe truly that your bottom line will be met. As well, and you know, yeah, there are some times where you just got to go, you got to meet the bottom line, and and sometimes relationships don't become a factor, and there are other times when relationships are more of a factor. Um, but I I, I really do think that millennials have to learn both. They have to understand the importance of relationships and the importance of building them and sustaining them but they also do have to understand the importance of the bottom line and that that's what keeps your company afloat. Do you think so, so that... I, oh, yeah?
0: Go ahead. Uh, do you think that uh, millennials are being exposed enough to the relationship side of that equation?
2: I would say in general, no. And I would say that that could be where technology is possibly hurting the millennial generation. Um, I I know a lot of millennials, I, I and I know a lot of people who, they say they're building relationships because they click send on an email. Okay. To me, that's not necessarily um, building a relationship. You know, I I think sometimes that millennials can, if you will, hide behind technology and that relationships then don't grow. So I think that one thing that maybe maybe, uh, millennials need to learn more of or learn how to do more of is to, you know, use the technology to your advantage to create these relationships, but also go out of your way to do other things. Um, that will nourish your relationship, you know, whether it be um, sending them a handwritten note. You know, there is a lost art in that alone, I would say, just because you have, you know, maybe maybe you are, you know, in a different state than somebody and you had a really great um, conversation via, you know, phone or something like that. W- they should send a thank you note, a handwritten one. It's, it's the little things like that that I think, Millennials need to learn to integrate with the technology um, so that they can successfully use technology and build great relationships.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Megan. I appreciated your answer.
1: Thank you for calling in. Thank you so much, Megan, for answering that question. That's a, That was a great question, by the way. So thank you for calling in and asking that question to add to what Megan has said in such deft and profound way is about millennials working on the relationships and that can be done because studies have found that empathy has gone down by 40% in our mm-hmm. young generation. However, that said, although they may not be exposed to relationships due to technology, it is the responsibility of X generation and baby boomers to interact with this generation because this is what they have seen and be open to sharing more with the coming millennials. And also Mm -hmm. our listener brought up a great point about the baby boomers struggling with the bottom line because relationships were the bane of existence when we were growing up. And now with the changing world, with the adapting world where we are outsourcing, what is happening is the com- the competing markets have become so tight that to gain a competitive edge, you have to have that bottom line in place and the performance. So I'll share
2: mm-hmm. an
1: example. It used to happen that the resources are limited and you are running multiple projects in the same company, And while I was doing that, now if I go and ask someone to do a project for me, now what's happening is that the same person is working on three other projects. So if my project gets done, then somebody else is going to take a hit. So again, Mm -hmm. it comes back to the great point that you made, is that achieving that balance between bottom line and relationship. So what I would do is I would call a meeting, where all of us, like, we would take the timeline and we would map it out. And we would say, okay, which takes the most priority and how we can juggle things, how we can juggle our resources, time, and energy in such a way that everyone benefits. And not only are we meeting our personal goals, we are meeting our department goals, and we are staying aligned with the company's goals. Because ultimately, if the company is not successful, then we are not successful. So what I have found as a business relationship coach, that if we keep the greater good in mind, if we keep the good of others first and bring it down to ourselves, not only are we able to support ourselves, because now you have other people helping you, help them. And then we mm-hmm. bring in that service and support intentions and determination in the triangle of relationship as we speak, it makes a huge difference. Have you experienced anything like that, Megan, during the course of your relationships and your <clears throat> master's? Because you mentioned that you have mm-hmm. people older than yourself.
2: Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting, especially in my master's, because another comment I get a lot of um directed at me um, directly is is that I bring a different um, aspect to the group because there are so many people who have, you know, been working for 20 or 30 years who are, um, you know, they've been used to doing something a certain way because that's how it works. But, you know, as technology grows, as relationships become more important, not discounting the bottom line at all. Um, you know, it is um, interesting because I, I get asked a lot of questions, and I how how would you do this? And you know, kind of a millennial's perspective, if you will. And um, it it's really great because I I feel like as much as I'm learning from others who have been working for 30 years, you know, they're learning from me as well, just in in the sense that here are ways that we can take what you know and what you um have kind of grown up on and learned about through your business. Here's what we can we can take those and we can mesh them with these new ideas that millennials have or the ways we're working. You know, because it it, it isn't one or the other. It's not oh, it's only relationships or it's only bottom line. It's it's not that way. It's uh, the harmony and the mixture of both is what Create um, just really the best situation for your company or for you personally, uh, you know, or in relationships in general.
1: hmm You are absolutely right on the mark, Megan. As far as that is concerned, is it's about reverse mentoring, and I will share that. Yes, I am good with technology. Yet I'm nowhere close to what even a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old or 22-year-old like yourself knows the technology inside and out. So it's, again, like going for baby boomers and next generation being open to being mentored by Mm -hmm. young compatriots Mm -hmm. who bring a whole new perspective to the table, and it's about reverse mentoring. It's about learning and that equal exchange and interchange of information.
2: Definitely, and, you know, I would really encourage um those who are not millennials to learn from millennials and vice versa it is not a one way street you know millennials have a ton to learn as well we are by no means um you know <laughs> knowing it all obviously um but it sometimes you find that um the older generations May discount the millennial because, um, oh well, they haven't been in the workforce that long, or they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't seen, you know, what it's like in a recession or what it, or, or whatever. But you know, sometimes I think if we can learn from each other and and mix both of our ideas, that's going to create the best um, uh, the best kind of work environment and the best kind of business out there possible. Because obviously um people who are in older generations than the millennials they've been doing something right <laughs> you know they they know business they know what's going on um so just as much as they can learn from the millennials millennials really need to take a lot of notes on what the older generation is doing and make sure that we're able to do similar things as well
1: oh i totally agree with that because the way i see it is on one end of the bridge is millennials on one end of the bridge is x generation and baby boomers and the road is open so there is mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not that you know that it's a one way street or two way street it's it's just an open and the relationship is the bridge between the two generations exactly. and bringing it solidly to the forefront for the better of the other Next generation exactly. to come.
2: And, you know, so I think we have that, touched upon... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say really quick that I, I think that sometimes you have the older generations and then the, the younger generations thinking, oh, we're so much different from each other. But really, we're not. You know, we have a lot of the same goals in mind, which I think is really important, especially in business. So to learn from each other, is really just uh, helping each other grow.
0: Mm-hmm
1: absolutely and we have seen how we can go about bridging the generational communication now as uh, we are getting closer to the top of the hour mm-hmm. what do you think are the future implications of creating social capital using our technology
2: you know i would say that uh, like i said at the beginning um when I was talking about sustainability in general, it's about what we can do now to help our future generations. And I would say that social capital being like a subset of sustainability, it's the same idea. You know, I want to leave a this earth knowing that I've created something better for, you know, my kids and my kids, my grandkids, and, you know, everybody to follow. And I think that technology is going to play a huge role in that because, like I said, as, as we've seen um, – In in the last even 20 years, look how much different technology is and how much better it is. And I think we see a lot more of people connecting um, in different ways, whether it be in different states, in different countries, um, things like that. And I I think that what we need to learn to do and what we need to um, have happen is find a really great way for that to continue to happen and continue to grow. Um, because, you know, like, like you see, you see so many companies having um, headquarters in different areas, you know, and you see these different types of relationships being built that way. And I think we need to grow it because, um, you know, it, it is becoming more uh, important, if you will, to be able to have those connections. And I, I think that for future generations to come, we need to be able to teach them why that is so important, one, and two, how to start growing your relationships and doing that from the beginning. You know, um, whether it be um when you're younger or whatever it, it, as soon as you're able to, connecting and making those relationships and and really the whole idea of using and creating social capital is something that you can do from a very, very young age. Yes, it would be in much simpler terms, but, you know, you don't have to be 45 and has been working 20 years to be able to make a change and to be able to um, create good social capital. You know, you really don't have to be. Um, And so I think it's important to teach the younger generation's how to create social capital, and what to do so that you can benefit
1: yourself and others. Hmm. I can definitely see the social capital, and especially, Megan, having great millennials like you leading the way into the future. I definitely see a great future ahead of us. Yes, and thank you. No, I really appreciate your sharing your vision and passion for building a better future. And one of the key things, one of the stories I would love to share is that I was—I've been so fortunate and so blessed to have coached mm-hmm. across six continents where you do not see people. And initially, when I started out coaching across six continents using Skype and phone i was so hesitant and i could feel yeah. every single time the wall going up i cannot mm-hmm. do this how i need to see people in person this is just too hard and mm-hmm. surprisingly it was my child who said mom you can do it see yeah. here it is you can <laughs> See here. Here is the Facebook. People are connecting, and yes, it's a up, upward battle. It's an uphill mm-hmm. journey. It's not no, simple. Yeah. It's not easy, even to this day. But it's about pushing oneself out of the comfort zone, stepping out into discomfort oh, because that's where the growth happens.
0: Definitely,
1: and, and what know, I've found is, yeah, yeah, you can build relationships, like you mentioned, Megan.
2: Yes, you can. And, you know, the interesting thing is, um, is that as technology grows and as we have more and more generations, technology won't be um, out of generations' comfort zones. You know, I'm on the, you know, I'm in the millennial generation where when I was young, like a little kid, technology wasn't a big thing for us, really. I mean, maybe you had your Game Boy, but you weren't, you know, you didn't have cell phones to use and things like that. But now when I look at my four-year-old niece, I think about her and <laughs> I think about, she she can already FaceTime me and she knows how to use everything. You know, she knows wow. how to use the iPad and the cell phone and everything like that. And she's four. So I'm thinking so to myself, year old okay. 4 how to
1: use FaceTime? <laughs> yeah,
2: she knows how to do it. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, she's you know, eighteen years younger than me, which isn't that much younger than me, and she knows how to do all of this stuff, like, we need to use that to our advantage to teach these to teach younger generations, this is technology, this is how you use it appropriately and well, and this is how you can use it to really better the world.
1: Mm hmm. It is so true because even though it has been extremely hard now it has become second nature. So, of course, mm-hmm. initially it was, oh, okay, this hesitation, doubts, all of everything creeping in, and then mm-hmm. you ease into it or you oh, yeah. get thrown into the dive in, <laughs> you know, deep dive. That's what you do, okay? Definitely. Throw yourself in this seven-feet deep pool. But now the rewards are phenomenal. I have friendships yeah. across the world. And these are people, I've not seen them, and yet I can pick up the phone. And when we are having a conversation, it's almost like we can pick up from where we left.
2: Exactly. And honestly, that's the most important thing because when you have a relationship like that, that's when um, you know social capital is huge in that because when you have good relationships like that, whether you've seen them face-to-face a million times or never seen them face-to-face, when you do have something that good of a relationship, that um, really where you're able to, you know, continue to nourish that relationship and help society and, and the rest of the world.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. This has been a fun time. I'm so glad yes. to have this conversation with you, Megan.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. This is this has been great. I, I really have enjoyed
1: it. So. I'm sure my listeners will have some questions for you. Yes. Where can they reach you? What's the best way to reach you? Um. You
2: know, I the best way to reach me would be via email. Um. And I, I know it is my email is on the site. So so if you want to connect connect that way, or if you'd rather connect via like LinkedIn, I welcome that. Um. I would love to connect with anybody and discuss. Um, anything you know? Sustainability, social capital, life. You know, um, I'm really interested <laughs> in in creating an awesome world for everybody. So um, I, I would say email and and LinkedIn are the best ways to get a hold of me, and
1: then we can continue to connect from there. Wonderful. And could you share your email again?
2: Oh so, yeah, my email is Megan L. Keller one eight at gmail dot com. And Megan is spelled M E G A N.
1: Thank you so much, Megan. It's been such a joy and yes, listeners on you. your behalf. Oh it's been my pleasure. Just a pleasure to have star millennials like you on my show because that helps us bridge the gap between the generations and people if you are anywhere in your corner you can take a step and help bridge the gap because it is fascinating how these young minds work and not only we can teach them we can learn from them and that's it's just a, such a joy and pleasure to be in the presence of refreshing perspectives. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me
1: on. Oh my pleasure. And dear listeners, thank you for dialing in and listening. If you need to contact me, my email address is contact at com. It is C O N T A C T at D I V S and Victor Y A P S and Paul Apple Robert Edward Kevin Harry dot com and Please do share your feedback because that helps me design the radio shows for you. I'm here to serve and support you because without you, the show would be nothing. So thank you again, listeners, for dialing in, listening. And until next time, be powerful and be good. Take care and bye for now.